Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. We're going to finish our division previews today with a look at the Northwest Division. Before we get underway here, we have a few housekeeping notes. First, you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find the Twitter handles for all three of us as well, so be sure to give us a follow. Check us out today on today's Fast Break, at today's Fast Break on Twitter. That's where all of our podcasts are being hosted. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes. Please give us reviews. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. We are always open to feedback. And lastly, we are looking for intro music. So if you or anyone else knows people who can hook us up, we would gladly give you a shout-out uh, on our next pod. So, with all of that said, I am joined today by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea, as always. How's it going, guys? I'm sick, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, Mort. Sarah, you feel like... Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Better than Morton is? Uh, yeah, I think I'm feeling better than Morton. Sorry. <laughs> That's good to hear. On many different levels. Yeah. I know, Sarah, I know you were at a Spurs preseason game last night and that was a little hard to take, so we will... Yeah. <laughs> we will try to steer any discussion away from Tim Duncan today. You can Appreciate check out it. our Southwest Division preview if you want to hear Sarah mourn the loss of Timmy. Uh, so today we're going to focus on the Northwest. Let's start with the Denver Nuggets, who aren't really all that much different from where they were a year ago. They added a couple guys in the draft in Jamal Murray, Juan Hernan Gomez, and Malik Beasley. Uh, they lost DJ Augustine and Joffrey Laverne. I mean, I think the big story with Denver is in that, that they're in this kind of this this flux, this kind of, they don't know what they are. So they've got a bunch of young guys, and then they have these veterans. They have Gallinari, they have Kenneth Fareed, they have Wilson Chandler. So what should they do this year, Mort? Should they go all in on this rebuild and trade these guys? Or should they kind of see what happens and see if they can make a surprising playoff push? Uh, option one, sir. <laughs> I would like to see Kenneth Reed uh, go at least. I, I don't see like a problem keep hanging on to 
Danilo or even Wilson. But the thing is with Wilson Chandler, though, he he's he's gone down a lot. Mm-hmm. Like he's frequently injured, and I suppose you could say the same about Danilo Gallinari. Gallinari, mm-hmm. however, when he plays, he just seems like he's more stable. So <clears throat> I would hang on to him personally. Uh, Farid is is really a problem in my eyes. He's not a strong defensive player. Mm-hmm. He can't shoot. So it's like two major weaknesses. He's a strong rebounder, energy guy. That I, I can sort of appreciate if he was coming off the bench and was getting like 20, 22 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like he wants something more. And if a team out there is willing to take him, then why not? Side note, I think in regards to their rebuilding process, they're doing what Orlando should have been doing. Like, they're really rebuilding well. They are getting quality players. They're not looking at positions necessarily. I mean, just look at their shooting guard debt. Mm -hmm. Um, They are just bringing a lot of talent together, trying to figure out who will stand on top of that, like in the hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And then they'll probably make a consolidation trade at some point. I I really, I am really digging what they're doing. It's, It's gone under the radar. Though I don't understand why they went after Dwayne Wade in free agency, though. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, it seemed like it was one of those things, kind of like what the Bulls were trying to do, just bring in a big name and hope that attracts stars down the line. I, that would be my guess. But... Oh, they were going for Banana Boat. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. They were, they were Mile going... High Banana Boat. Yeah. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, I mean, you've been high on the Nuggets for a while uh, and how they've been rebuilding, and I, I feel... Very similar. Um, I mean, especially, you know, I think you said it well. They don't really care about positions. Like, Jamal Murray and Malik Beasley are both two guards. They didn't care. They're just going to take the best player, see yeah. which one rises to the top, and then, uh, I mean... And Gary we, Harris, there's yeah, already there. Right, yeah, so. he's he's hurt to start the year. We have to keep that in oh, mind. Right. So that right. actually benefits Murray. You figure he's going to have a bigger early season role. Uh, I think the other big storyline, we touched on Farid a little bit, but especially with the additions of Hernan Gomez, they've got a somewhat crowded front court. So Sarah, as our resident big man expert here, I want to talk to you here first about Nikola Jokic, who <coughs> basically he's going to be basketball Twitter's like one of the favorite five big men this year. Do you think he's headed for, I mean, even last year he broke out uh, in an under-the-radar way. But do you think he's headed for a season now where even casual NBA fans are going to know and appreciate his game? I think so for the fact that, I mean, NBA Twitter has been kind of trying to push him for the last, I don't know, <laughs> all off-season pretty much. He, everybody's yeah. in love with him, and rightly so. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know that his numbers are going to jump that much. But they mm-hmm. were pretty darn good last year. <laughs> so I think, yeah, people will just start to recognize that, hopefully. Uh, unfortunately, for those of us who don't have league pass, the Nuggets aren't on a lot. So that right. kind of hurts him with the casual fans. But, yeah, as soon as they see his game, he's fun. Come on. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, well, you know, you guys know I love the big guys, but he's a heck of a player. And I love big guys that are playmakers, and he is one. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, he's he's a fun watch, and he's going to have another good year. Same thing with Nurkic. I mean, you can never predict if a guy's going to stay healthy or not, but uh, in the limited preseason action that I've seen, he's looked pretty good. Uh, the other day he had a, a like dribble 
dribble right towards the middle, back to the basket move, and then came back and put it up with the left hand off the glass. It was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, th- that's a great one-two punch in the front court there. Yeah, uh, I think Nurkic, at least through his first three preseason games, was averaging somewhere around like 18 points and 13 rebounds a night. <laughs> And I think it was within like under 30 minutes. So, I mean, it wasn't all that long ago. It was two years ago where he really stole the hearts of basketball Twitter, especially toward the end of the year. And then last year he was hurt for a good part of the year. Seemed like he fell into Mike Malone's doghouse a little bit. Um, But this offseason, Malone has been praising Nurkic, said he's healthier than ever, had a great offseason, and he's showing it in the preseason. Uh, So I think... You know, the only thing aside from health that could hold him back is that he's behind Jokic. Like he's there's mm-hmm. a equally, if not better, player ahead of him. That said, it sounds like Malone is willing to try out a Nurkic Jokic front court. So at least for a couple minutes a night, he, he's right. not opposed to putting those two guys together. Even though the trend is to go small ball, and you know Jokic has shooting range, so it's not like you're playing two plotting bigs next to one another. It it has a chance to work. Um, And then that feeds into what you were saying more with putting Fareed on the bench as an energy guy. If you've got Nurkic and Jokic starting together, you can put Fareed more in his natural role as like a rich man's Thomas Robertson. Um, And and, and Nurkic can hit like this 15, 17 footer as well. Yeah. That's true. So it, it provides a little bit additional spacing, but I I get now why they traded Joffrey Laverne. Yeah, like I re- I really like Laverne, and when I saw they only got two second rounders for him, I was like, oh, that's that's not like the best return. But mm-hmm. they I I think the current situation forced their hand a bit. They yeah. knew that everyone's trade value would likely plummet a little bit if they all had to share minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. S- similar to what the Sixers <clears throat> are going through with. Mm-hmm. MB, Noel, and Okafor. It's that that question of diminishing returns for sure. Um, yeah. And I think, I mean, that Laverne trade also raised my eyebrow a little bit just because I didn't think Nurkic was going to be such a beast. So I, I wonder if they saw the progress he was making throughout the offseason and were like, oh, you know what? Laverne, we're not going to need him because we've got Jokic, we have Nurkic, we have Hernan Gomez. We can play Danilo at the four. We could play Fareed at the four. We could play Wilson Chandler at the four. Like, Laverne just was not going to get minutes realistically, barring injuries. Um, So I think the last big question with the Nuggets is, we're entering year two of the Emmanuel Moutier experience. What are we expecting from him, Mort? Um, Hopefully less turnovers. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he, he he was really adding those up. But... I read somewhere something very interesting that NBA teams saw a high turnover count from young players as a good thing because it meant that they were willing to take chances with the ball and they were drawing comfortable with the ball in their hands. Like I'm, I'm not sure I'm getting the context right. It's it's (laughs) a a while since I read it, but it was interesting. Um, The shooting percentages remains a concern. Mm -hmm. I mean, he shot 36 percent on the year. That's that's horrific, right? Um, and I would love to see like how they could free him up a little bit. I think he's at his best when he's just going to the basket mm-hmm. and not settling for Jays. And he did that a little bit, but it could be the intimidation factor. I mean, come on, nineteen-year-old rookie, of 
Of course, yeah. he's going to pull up at times instead of just taking hearts at the basket. Everyone does it. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing if he can adapt and become more of a... Uh, well, this is a, this is a high praise, but in in a Tony Parker s kind of attacking the, the the mid range area and getting up floaters and whatnot, I mm-hmm. I just want him to see finish around the twelve foot area a little bit more. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I could. I, he was hurt for a decent part of last year, so in some way that might have impeded his development. Um, I think that point you make about the. High turnover rate is interesting because I, I guess I could see like teams are excited to see their players are aggressive, and if you're in a rebuilding situation anyway, it's not like you're not sweating every win and loss. So you want your players to grow through mistakes now, so then when your record actually matters in a year or two, they've you know they, they've learned already. They they're ready for that next step. Uh, yeah. I do kind of think maybe like. I'm really high on Gary Harris. I, he had a great sophomore year after barely being used as a rookie. Um, that said, I'm wondering if this early season injury, I think he's supposed to be out for the first month or so of the season, might be a blessing in disguise because Jamal Murray, you know, the concern about him coming out of the draft was like what position he can play. No one was really sold on him as a full-time point guard, but he can handle the ball a little bit. So I'm wondering if, Pairing him with Moutier will actually be a really good fit. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I don't know. I, I would assume Gary Harris still is going to supplant him as the starter when he comes back. But, you know, maybe you roll a little bit more with a Moutier-Murray combo and then do Gary Harris-Will Barton. Uh, more of that off the bench. So uh, I'm interested to see Moutier. I was high on him last year. Uh you know, as a as a Sixers fan, I've had to be very attuned to the top of the draft board every year for the last couple of years. So uh, I wanted Moutier if uh, if we had fallen a little bit further. Um, so I'm I'm hoping for big things in year two of Moutier. And speaking of big things, let's move to Morton's new team, the Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> uh, I mean. The biggest addition, let's be honest, is Tom Thibodeau as their head coach and president of basketball operations. They also drafted Chris Dunn after uh, Danny Ainge refused to trade anything for Chris Dunn. Uh, they got Cole Aldrich and Jordan Hill, uh, and then their only big loss was Kevin Garnett and then interim coach Sam Mitchell. So, Morton. You're our Bulls guy. You're familiar with Thibodeau. What do you see happening here with Tibbs? How is he going to mold this young roster in his image? And what does it mean specifically for Andrew Wiggins? Can he make him into a Jimmy Butler type player? And, you know, the big guy, Carl Anthony Towns. Well, I think Jimmy Butler is actually a high praise. Um, <clears throat> Jimmy Jimmy is like an established all-star one of the best two-way players in the game he's also a strong rebounder and I, I think I, I don't think that you can turn Andrew Wiggins into Jimmy Butler I think you can turn Andrew Wiggins into something else um, like sort of a mix between Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kawhi Leonard-ish like not that for example like Kawhi can shoot the ball Giannis can't so if you take like the average of between the two, that's probably gonna be Wiggins. Mm. 
but he can get to the rim. He's probably going to be best when he's inside of 17 feet. That's probably going to be th- a theme throughout the course of his career. Uh, what I want to see is him becoming a little bit of Luol Deng in terms of defense. I, I wanted to see him come out and actually guard fours as well as twos and threes because that gives you like the ultimate flexibility defensively. If you can guard a wing player as well as switch onto a, a big guy underneath the basket, then you've got something special. And then you have a reason to stay into the ball game for 35, 38 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. Like I think that last year, Wiggins just got a lot of these development minutes. When if you look at it from an honest point of view, he shouldn't have played that many minutes. Right. Because he was really struggling at times. Tips is the perfect coach to bring in, though, like to, to mold him into that type of player. The same goes for Carl Anthony Towns. And also, I noted in your outline, Brian, you asked the question, <clears throat> has Tips learned from overplaying his young guns in Chicago? In Chicago, or Towns, Wiggins, Zach Levine, and Gorgie Dang headed for 38 minutes a game. Like, I, I, I know he had some issues, but I think the, the media narrative of Tips outplaying... Um, Overplaying his guys have been dramatically <laughs> overrated. I, I mean, I think it's he had some issues, especially with Dang at times, and mm-hmm. sometimes with Butler. But <clears throat> in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it was that. I mean, it wasn't that big of a problem. Like I watched every Bulls game. Like half the time, those minutes were necessary to climb out win. Like right. Because because Bulls management did not bring in help to Derek offensively, so he had to rely on Dang. He had to rely on uh, Noah even to score at times, and we know that's not his biggest strength. So I'm, I'm thinking with the weapons available in Minnesota, I, I don't. I think it's a complete non-issue heading into the year. Like look at the offensive firepower they have: Towns. Levine, Wiggins in a sense, Shabazz Muhammad coming off the bench, Chris Dunn who can attack the rim. Hell, even Gorky Dan can score. Mm-hmm. And, and even like he, he's actually developing a sneaky three-point shot, it seems like. So, I mean, there are so many more weapons of, at his disposal now. So I, I think it's going to come very natural uh, to tips to, to like mold these guys into whatever he feels like. That's also why I have them going to the playoffs. I just can't imagine a team with this like firepower, this arsenal, coached by Tips, not making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean you you bring up a good point. Uh, you know, a lot of the Tibbs overplaying guys. I think like Deng and Butler particularly either led the league in minutes or were like yeah. top three. Uh, so it's not like he did it with everyone. He wasn't playing Derek 38 minutes a night necessarily, but he did have a tendency to lean on uh, these two-way wing players. So mm. Wiggins might be the one who needs to stress the most about this overplaying. Uh, that said, you know he took this year-long sabbatical, and I forget where I read it. Uh, actually, it might have been... Uh, it might have been a Bleacher Report piece by Jonathan Abrams. I'm not totally sure. Um, but Tibbs basically said, like, you know, I I was very intentional about what I did during my year off. Like, I went to all of these different teams and all of these different programs in different stages of building. So he went to, I think he visited the Warriors and he visited the Spurs, but then he also visited some teams that were further away from immediate contention to kind of get a better sense of like, how do I 
advance my program. Here is what the standard that I'm looking to achieve. How do I get from point X to point Y? Um, so I think that should help him. And, you know, maybe how things all went down in Chicago at the end taught him some lessons about, uh, about resting players more, about coexisting with your front office more. He doesn't have as much of a concern about that in Minnesota because he's also the president of basketball operations. But, you know, I think you, you make a good point in that we can't just assume Chicago Tibbs is moving to Minnesota. Like we have to yeah. assume that he learned something and he's going to evolve and we just need to see um, how that translates once the season starts. And Sarah, we're going back to you. Big man expert here. Is Carl Anthony Towns going to be an all-star this year? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. How do they do it now? Um, it's just front court guys, right? It's not positional as much. Yeah, I think the center, and... right, like the center is off the ballot, Right. I believe. Okay, so, I think so it... you no longer have Kobe Bryant leeching up a forward spot? So <laughs> right, I believe he helps. takes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't see any reason why. I mean, his numbers were always good enough. Of course, you know, if, if they don't win a ton of games. But we think they should be improved there this year, too. Because um, mm. voters always look at that. But I, I don't see how he can get left off this year. I really don't. Um, he, he's definitely he's definitely an all-star. The, the bigger question for me, and we can talk about this when we get to the Blazers, is Damien, because everyone keeps talking about Damian Lillard uh, mm-hmm. always being overlooked. I don't think he is underrated anymore, but it's just really hard to make the all-star team at that spot in the West, but yeah. we'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there's room for Carl Anthony Towns on the all-star mm-hmm. team, for sure. Knock yeah, on something wood. would have to like go horrifically wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he averaged, what, like 18, 10, and 2 last year? As a rookie. Oh, he should have been an all-star. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Anthony Davis averaged 24-10-2, and, and he also missed the all-star team. So, you know, we can't... Yeah, but still. We can't I, go I, just by per-game stats, especially... I mean, Sarah brought it up. You know, voters do factor <laughs> winning into the equation. Look no further than a couple years ago when, like, four Atlanta Hawks made the all-star team. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, I mean, that, that does play in. So if the Timberwolves do struggle early... I mean, God forbid it could happen that both Towns and Anthony Davis both miss the All-Star game. That said, I hope both are in because that would be super fun to watch. And frankly, I mean, it might even come down to, you know, it's the fans vote in the starting five. Uh, So, you know, Tim Duncan's gone now. Um, Kevin Durant, aside from the Bay Area, is going to be pretty reviled this year. So, you know, like... Blake Griffin, you got to figure he's going to get one spot. Maybe KD gets another spot. But, like, the, there is a spot open, in theory, for a fan vote if, like, things go wrong in Sacramento and Boogie doesn't get that. So uh, let's let's just all hope that Todd stays healthy and <laughs> is going to be an all-star because the kid's a total monster. He's going to be, like, I mean, he's just a future MVP candidate waiting to happen. Um, mm. I'm going to go back to you for this one, Mort. Because I know you were really high on this guy coming into the draft, and you wanted him on the Bulls. Chris Dunn, is he going to knock Ricky Rubio out of the starting lineup at some point? Is he going to 
basically forced the Timberwolves to trade Ricky Rubio at some point. Well, actually, just just to correct you a little bit, um, I, I was actually higher on a lot of other players. It was more the, the the annoyance from my end was the fact that Boston didn't pick Chris Dunn because I knew Chicago wanted him regardless. I had no problem with that because I like Chris Dunn like overall, but it was in regards to the whole Jimmy Butler trade because that was the one I was pursuing. I wanted them to blow everything up, so that was why Dunn kept coming up. Mm. But yeah, he. I mean, that's not. That doesn't mean I don't like the kid. I, I definitely like him. I think that he is going to uh, make Ricky Rubio obsolete. Uh, I just. I can't imagine like two years from now, Rubio starting over Dunn. I just can't. I, it seems like Dunn is the most NBA ready point guard mm-hmm. in the draft. Um, also, like leaps and bounds the best. Mm-hmm. He's defensively active. He's he's projected as a better long range shooter. And he's more athletic. It just seems like he's he's gonna carve his own edge within Tips' schemes, and that leaves Ricky Rubio on the outside because he's not gonna accept the bench spot. Right. I can't imagine that gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dunn has struggled a little bit with his shooting efficiency during the preseason. That said, yeah. it's the preseason. <clears throat> we can't take too many grand conclusions from three or four or five games. Um, so it. Would not be a total surprise to see Dunn, as the year progresses, get more comfortable in the scheme and start pushing Rubio harder for minutes, at which point, I mean, I think you're totally right. Rubio is going to bristle if he's pushed into a smaller role or even gets moved to the bench. So if a team finds itself in need of a point guard, uh, (laughs) hello, 76ers, it would not be a total surprise if Rubio gets moved. Um All right, let's move on to the Oklahoma City Thunder, who, in case you didn't know, are down two of their best three players from last year. They obviously lost Kevin Durant to the Golden State Warriors. They traded Serge Ibaka to the Orlando Magic. Uh, Dion Waiters also left, so I guess they're technically down three of their best four players, right? Because Dion is now gone. Uh, uh, Dion is now with the Miami Heat they did bring in for Ibaka they got Victor Oladipo and DeMont how do you say it? Domantas Sabonis? yeah yeah, that's. I, I think it's like that or I, I've actually called him Domantas Domantas okay. uh, Sabonis but it's yeah I'm not sure honestly the Sabonis kid uh, they got <laughs> Laverne who we mentioned in Denver and then Alex Abrinas so I mean, the big question here is, is this still a playoff with playoff team without KD? And Sarah, as our resident Western Conference expert, as someone who is very familiar with the Thunder, especially over the past couple of years, do you think they're going to make the playoffs still? Boy. Um, they're going to be one of several teams fighting for kind of those last few spots. Mm-hmm. For me, they're they're really similar to the Blazers. I mean, they're slightly better, mm-hmm. but you got, you know, you can have Russ and, and Depot, kind of like Damon CJ, and then, I mean, Ilyasova is a guy that I've liked for a long time, but I mean, you're banking on him, Collison, Mitch McGarry, and Sabonis if if they're all stick around and then obviously we know what, what you're getting out of Adams and, and Cantor and even Laverne I mean, it's it's a good lineup but there is obviously you're going to have a big black hole at small forward when 
you lose one of the best players in the league. Right. Uh, I've heard that Singler is shooting well in the preseason. So, okay. you know, perhaps <laughs> if, if he could keep that up. But, man, it, it's going to be a, a fight. I wouldn't. I don't know if I can commit to saying they're not going to make the playoffs, but I, I mm-hmm. wouldn't expect to see them higher than six. That might be yeah. optimistic to yeah. say they could reach that. Mm. So, <laughs> I, I think that's fair. The, the The days of them challenging the Warriors and the Spurs and the Clippers for a top three seed in the West likely went out that door when Kevin Durant did. Uh, but they do now have a very angry Russell Westbrook who keeps getting asked about every comment that Kevin Durant makes, especially recently someone asked, or KD said, like, I'm playing with a bunch of unselfish guys. And then a reporter asked uh, Westbrook about that. He's like, dude, just shut up. Like, I'm not going (laughs) to respond to everything you say about KD or everything that he says. Like, I'm here. I'm just not going to talk about it anymore. So with an angry Westbrook, do you think he's a legit threat? to average a triple-double this year? I'm so glad you asked me that because I'm actually working on an article for today's Fast Break in regards to Westbrook and his MVP chances. Ooh, okay. Um, Here's the thing. In order to get 10 rebounds a game, then you kind of need to be like the primary uh, glass attacker on your team. I I know he averaged 7.8 last year, which was out of this world. But, But now he's got Sabonis. Mm-hmm. Ennis Kander is going to play a big role. Steven Adams is going to play a big role. Like, where's where's the ten rebounds going like, to come from? Mm-hmm. It's for for a point guard. Like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, he's probably still going to average like six, maybe even seven, but ten. It's just like it's an otherworldly number, and with so much competition in the front court, that's it's going to be very close to impossible. Now let's move on to the assist, right? Yep. Can you imagine losing Kevin Durant while having to take on a largest scoring responsibility and then maintain his 10.4 assist rate? Because I can't. It seems like he's going to score more. And the fact that he doesn't have one of the best off-ball scorers in the history of the damn league around him, (laughs) that I could imagine being a huge hurdle in him reaching 10 assists. Uh, My guess, rough estimate, obviously... Russ has a very historic, but in the end, non-important 35.7 rebounds, 8 assists year. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, you, you make some really good points about uh, both the rebounds and the assists. And I've been, you know, I've been writing fantasy content for today's Fast Break, trying to get the uh, season preview stuff out. And it seems like on a lot of people's big boards for fantasy, Russ is the number one ranked player. Um, And I actually have James Harden first. So you actually just convinced me even more that I am right to have Harden above Westbrook because I, yeah, yeah, I mean, the the theory is that Westbrook is just going to have to pick up even more of a load, but you know, you're totally right about he's got three really good rebounders to compete with. And I guess the same was true last year with Ibaka. You could just replace Sabonis with Ibaka. Um, but you do have to wonder if Cantor plays a little bit more than he did last year because they need more scoring punch to replace KD and Ibaka. Mm. Uh, so I'll, I'll, even, I'll even help you along with another argument. Okay. 
Victor Oladipo was projected as sure. a point guard once. Mm-hmm. And if Russ is going to be the end target of the guy who has to take a shot, much like uh, Allen Iverson back with the Sixers, mm-hmm. then you need to have another guy setting him up a lot of times. Sure. That's going to be Victor Oladipo. Meaning, Russ is going to take the shot instead of getting the, the dime. Right. Good point. Like... I, I legitimately could see him average thirty-five. Yeah, I don't. I I don't know if he does that. He's probably going to be somewhere between thirty-two and thirty-five. So that's too ridiculous, though. Yeah. Oh, of course. So yeah, anyone who's submitting their season predictions, it's probably safe to pencil Russell Westbrook in as the league's scoring leader. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Sarah. Again, we're going back to you, resident big man expert. <laughs> We've got Steven Adams, we have Ennis Cantor, the boat, <laughs> they're awesomely nicknamed the Stash Brothers. Uh, can they help replace the, especially the offensive output of KD and Ibaka? How much do you think they will do in that regard? That's going to be tough. I think, oh, man, Cantor is obviously a very uh, skilled offensive player. So, I mean, I think he's going to pick up some of that. Adams is is getting there but still kind of needs a little more <laughs> a little more help. I mean, he's not a, a terrific back to the basket guy, but he's got such power that he can get there, you know. If if he gets a a touch that's near the basket, he can power his way in. Mm-hmm. Um I don't I don't know about replacing KD's scoring output, but they're they're going to come close. They they close the gap a little bit. But. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Obviously, you're not going to replace the league's what yeah. second best scorer, top scorer, even. Uh, no one can do that. It's going to have to be a collective effort. More, it's already talked about Russ taking on more. I mean, Oladipo, I think, is also going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's got the potential to score twenty a game, so mm. he's going to be a very valuable asset for them this year. Um, so let's go to Oladipo Mort. There's been talk that he wants a max contract extension, and he's not going to settle for less. It doesn't seem like the Thunder are going to give him that prior to the extension deadline, because as we've seen, you know, multiple times in years past, it makes more sense to wait. Like the Spurs did it with Kawhi, you keep the lower cap hold, sign into an extension next year. So it's not necessarily an indictment of. Oladipo, it's just, you know, you're playing the financial reality of the NBA. That said, do you think this year he's going to prove that he is worth that max extension next summer? Well, <clears throat> that's a that's a good question. Like, obviously, the Thunder will, will be hoping that he proves that. Um, I, I don't know. That's actually a very, very good question because he was so up and down in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, this was the type of guy who could have 40-point games the one night and then have two games in a row where he scored less than 10. Yeah. His his defensive output, I felt personally, was somewhat reliable and somewhat consistent. Mm-hmm. But he did have moments where he stepped up and really looked like, like one of those all-defensive team type of guys. And I thought he would buy into that and, and do it more routinely. And then he sort of like checked a little bit out again and just remained good but not excellent mm-hmm. um i i guess coming into year four new team new start new responsibility 
you know, I'm going to be optimistic and say yes, but uh, just rest assured, this is just this is my gut talking. This is not my analytical mind talking. Because <laughs> right. I, I have no way of knowing. Uh, but but I I do feel like a change of scenery might do him good. Yeah. I also think that he learned a lot from Scott Skiles defensively that he could mm. bring to OKC. I mean, never sleep on the Skiles, man. Yeah. Um, he, he is so good, and, and the fact that Oladipo is also a strong rebounder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he could unlock that all-around game a little bit. Uh, whether he's going to average, like you said, 20, I mean, it's possible. Mm-hmm. But it depends on Russ, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it, they've talked about Russ and Oladipo being, like, the best defensive backcourt in the league, which I think just in terms of, like, ball pressure and steals, they very well could be. I mean, they're both, like, two ferocious bulldogs and it's going to be hell on opposing ball handlers, especially older guys to bring the ball up against them every single time. Um, That said, neither one is a consistent three point shooter. Uh, So I think that is going to be the big question this year. Can they command respect from beyond the three point arc or are teams just going to sag off of them and pack the paint against their complement of bigs? Uh, so I think I'm with you, Mort, that he's going to prove worthy of a max extension and that someone will give him a max deal next summer in restricted free agency. Yeah. The question is, is it OKC and do they match? Because if he doesn't prove to be a perfect fit with Russ, then maybe they have to weigh, you know, maybe they do match and then decide to trade him later just so they don't lose... You know, yeah. uh, for they don't lose Ibaka for nothing, basically. Um, but oh, it, they could, right? They really could. Yeah. Like, just pull a Harden 2.0. Right, exactly. I mean, Let's save money. Yeah, oh, God, that would be awful. No, I, I think either way, I would be shocked if they don't retain him. But I think there is question about the long-term viability of them on offense, especially without... <laughs> an elite scorer, elite shooter like Kevin Durant. But hey, as Sarah mm-hmm. mentioned, Kyle Singer was lighting it up in preseason, so maybe <laughs> maybe they've got their answer right there. Um, no pressure, Kyle. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. He's like the only one to carry yeah. the three-point load. Right, exactly. Like, you yeah, made a good point, Brian, about um, them packing people packing the paint against them. That's a serious danger and probably mm-hmm. is going to happen. But as we talked about last year in the playoffs, like, if you're not going to hit a lot of threes, you either have to be an elite defensive team or you have to rebound like crazy. And that's something I didn't mm-hmm. think about when you asked me about uh, Cantor and Adams making up for the scoring. I'm thinking, I'm overthinking about them two scoring. But, you know, even if it's not them scoring all those points, they're going to score and they're going to rebound and give the Thunder a lot of extra opportunities. So that's going to help make up for the, the lack of scoring as well because they're going to get second chances. So, Yeah, that's a really good point. They are definitely – I mean, they could be an elite defensive team if they if they have uh, Russ, Depot, if they start Andre Robertson. Uh, and then I, it sounds like Sabonis is probably going to be the starting four and Steven Adams at the five. So that's, that is a hellacious starting mm-hmm. five in terms of defense. Like that, that really could – if they don't lead the league, they could easily be top five. Um, so I'm also with you. We, we talked about them being a playoff team earlier. I, I'm, I personally have them in, I think, as the seventh seed. Uh, 
but I think you're totally right. They're just going to be in that like six to ten range, and we just can't be sure. It's basically, honestly, going to come down to injuries. Um, so let us move on to the Portland Trailblazers. Sarah, we talked about him earlier, so let's start with Damian Lillard. He goes by this. I get snubbed for the All Star team. I get snubbed for the Olympic team. I'm so underrated. Blah blah blah. We both you you pushed back on that narrative. I'm right with you. Do you think he's actually like a dark horse MVP candidate this year? I had not considered that. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, he could be in the conversation. I I don't think. Same thing with All Star games. You know that. Um, they always factor in wins when coming up with an MVP. So I don't think they're going to win enough games for him to be a true candidate. Um, mm-hmm. Even though we can argue whether that's really fair that they do that for MVP or not. Um, but overall, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. But yeah, he could be a, like a fringe top five guy in that. He's going to have a good year. And like we said, he's not underrated anymore. Everyone knows what he's capable of. He, he somehow got them to make the playoffs last year, and, and we still can't figure out how that happened. So, I mean, yeah, he's a hell of a player, but uh, it's just there's so many good guards in the league, especially in the West, that it's really tough to make those limited teams. Right, yeah. I mean, you've got, you're already competing with Russ, you're competing with Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, uh, Chris Paul. So, right there, that's for that. I mean, good luck be and james harden like yeah that's that's a brutal brutal set of competitors to have to beat out to make an all-star team so even if he does not make an all-star team he is an all-star caliber player i think that is now without question uh speaking of all-star caliber players the blazers their big addition this summer was evan turner which which we (laughs) all bristled with uh, once we learned how much money they spent on Evan Turner, they also brought in Festus Azili, uh, drafted Jake Lehman, got Shabazz Napier. So, more, I mean, I'm going to ask you this, and you, you know my answer already, but what is the best role for Evan Turner on this team? Uh, like, not on the team and his salary <laughs> cleared, I guess. Uh, no, probably the three, uh, <clears throat> or like an off the bench super sub who can play one through three, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know because he can't shoot, right? And that's a huge problem. Like I, I, I think it would be best using him as a playmaker. He's got a lot of moves. I'll give him that, and he can facilitate, and, and he can somehow like he's one of those guys. Like if you give him the ball he'll somehow create a shot for himself. Mm-hmm. Like, even if he has to pull out, like, a thousand moves, he'll somehow get that ball up, and it, it'll be a decent shot. I just hate the fact that he can't stretch the court. Yeah. But in, in, in a, like, a pseudo-playmaking role, uh, you know, giving the ball up to, to, to Dame and CJ, that would probably be the best bet. Also, defensively, I kind of like his versatility. Mm-hmm. But 70 million? Man. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, go. I think if we, we captured our reaction in our free agency podcast, so go back and listen to that if you want to hear us melt down when we found out the terms of Evan Turner's contract. Uh, I mean, I they've talked up his playmaking. 
uh, as a reason they brought him in. They wanted someone else to create aside from Dame and CJ. That said, I I think I'm with you more. Like I think he's best suited off the bench in this playmaking role. He could still play 30 minutes a night, but that that's he thrived in that role in Boston. So I don't know why you're going to change that in Portland, especially. You know, at the end of the year, Portland found this great starting five with uh, Dame, CJ, Mo Harkless, Al Farouk Aminu. Stick with that. Like, why are you going to change yeah. that? <laughs> but, I mean, that's – you're not going to have – if you have Turner in your starting lineup, you still have the concern off the bench about having secondary playmakers. So keep your starting five as is. Keep Turner in a bench role. You can have him at the end of games – and you can go small ball. Like It gives you a lot more versatility, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens with E.T. I mean, as a as a Sixers fan, uh, I wish him nothing but the best. I, you know, I'm happy that he found success in Boston, and I, I do hope that he finds similar success in Portland. Although, you know, I, I'm naturally a bit skeptical about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, just just a question, Brian, because he's been in Philly, so you might be able to answer me this question. Okay. I actually looked at his uh, basketball reference page mm-hmm. uh, today, and I found that one of his nicknames, the villain. Yes, I have never heard that. Like what? That when is, did that come about? That's from his Ohio State days. Uh, Mark Titus, who was their bench warmer, like a walk on who never left the bench, started referring to him as the villain. And it has stuck with him ever since. So, oh, and it yeah. just went into the encyclopedia of nicknames here. Yeah, well, way to go, Brian! <laughs> you could you could thank Club Trillion for that. Um, so, Sarah, you mentioned this earlier: how Dame led the Blazers to the playoffs last year, and we can't really figure out how it happened. Do you think they build on that su- surprising success from last year, or do you think they regress a little bit this year? I would expect the latter. Um, I'm not too high on them this year. <laughs> I I mean, I like Aminu, and I think, you know, if he is a consistent shooter, they have a good chance to somewhat middle around where they were. But, yeah, oh, yeah, Myers Leonard is apparently shooting threes now, so that's fun. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, mid- Alan Crabb, too, that's great, but... <laughs> The Evan Turner deal, like, could we say that's worse than the Mozgov deal that that we've all laughed at quite a bit? It's pretty bad. Like, equally bad. Okay. Equally <laughs> we'll say equally bad. bad. I, I like, y'all know I'm not a numbers guru by any sense, uh, financial or otherwise, but it really hit home when I was looking at the ESPN <laughs> roster because they list the salary for the year. Oh, and no. he's making more money. And everybody except Alan Crabb and Damian Lillard. Like, <laughs> how does that happen? Uh, well, yeah, CJ, just, CJ did sign that extension, so that will kick yes, in, I guess, there you go. next year, maybe. But yeah, yeah. He, he is making an absurd amount of money. <laughs> yeah, so I, it's just, it's, they still don't have enough filled in around Damian and so CJ is really what it comes down to. And I think that you know, yeah, so the Thunder fell down a little bit because they lost KD, but other teams took a step forward. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think that the Blazers are still going to have the spot that they had last year. Definitely not. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because it seems like a lot of people are still high on the Blazers. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be right in that mix with the Thunder as a team scrapping for one of the final three playoff spots. Because we, you know, we've talked, we're, we're about to talk about the Utah Jazz, but they made some big moves. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies made some big moves. You know, we OKC can still be frisky. Uh, Dallas could still be frisky. Like there, there's a lot in that mix, and Minnesota is going to be up there too. So it would not totally shock me if the Blazers missed the playoffs entirely, but it also wouldn't shock me if they made like the sixth or seventh seed. So yeah, I, I have missed a lock. Uh, a lock to make the playoffs or to miss? Yeah, to and, and and the reason the reason is Alan Crabb. Oh, I think I think they invested so much money in him because he's going to get like a much greater role. Mm-hmm. I, I fully expect him to become their, their third leading scorer now. Mm-hmm. He's also got this this fluid scoring game, right? It, he was used as a bit player um, last year. Or not a no, well, that's that's not being fair. He was more than a bit player. But he wasn't used to the full extent that he could have been. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see him get a lot more touches this year, a lot more minutes, a lot more late game situations. And it wouldn't even surprise me to see him end up averaging like 15, 17 points a game. Hmm. Like, I think they're expecting him now to become like, uh, you know, the third part of the Dame and CJ show. Yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't... It's, it's going to be a trio. I think that's what they're going for with with Crab. It's going to be a trio. That would not surprise me. We, I mean, we have to remember, um, it was Brooklyn that handed Crab. I think it was five-year, $75 million offer shoot, and Portland did... Four-year. four year. Four. Oh God! Oh wow! Oh yeah, it wasn't for you. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, so, because they can't. You know, teams right, outside can't right, offer right. more can't than four. Do. Yeah, so I mean, that's a lot of money for a guy who has no chance of becoming a starter because he's back behind CJ and Dane. So yeah, I mean, they must have big plans for Crab. Um, so I was gonna ask you more, uh, but I don't, I don't know. Well, let's let's just play the devil's advocate for a second. Say things go south, um, <clears throat> they underachieve. They look like they're going to st- miss a playoff spot. You know, they are very much now capped out because of how yeah. much they spent on Crab uh, and Turner and CJ. So, yeah. do you think? If their thing, season falls apart a little bit, do they start to try to move one of those guys, Turner, Crab, maybe, or do you think they give it another go next year? I mean, Turner, yeah, obviously, but like, good luck finding a suitor. Crab, <laughs> um, no, no. I, I think even if if shit hits the fan, uh, I, I think they're gonna stick with Dame, CJ, and Crab, mm-hmm. like going forward. I, I think they have intentionally invested all these money because they know. They're not going to be a free agent player yeah. uh, in the foreseeable future. So they're going to say, you know what? Then we'll find a way to upgrade the front court. We'll, we might trade Myers Leonard. We might trade some of the big men, maybe for draft picks to see if we can find a gem in the draft. But we're sticking with our core guys hmm. of of CJ and Dame and who I consider a core guy as well, Alan Crabb. I think that's like the point, and Evan Turner. <laughs> yeah, I think he's the one that they would want to trade. But I just, I mean, oh wait a second, I'm sorry, Sacramento exists. Right. Sorry, yeah, yeah there of you course. go. Yeah, they're gonna yeah. need someone to fill Rudy Gay's spot eventually, right? 
Yeah, or or hell, you know, the Knicks. Oh yeah. Oh, for like, sure. Yeah. Could, could you just imagine, oh, like, for example, the Knicks when when things go shoddy and Derek needs to be moved? Yeah. Like you could trade Evan Turner for Derek Rose, and then get his money off the cap. Right. 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 Oh God. And hey, Brian Colangelo is still around to drive up interest in everyone. I, I don't know <laughs> if you guys saw, but uh, he he's apparently the reason the detente broke between Cleveland and J.R. Smith. Reportedly, he expressed some interest in J.R., so he's there to drive <laughs> up interest in anyone. Um, all right, let's move to our final team in the division, the Utah Jazz. I feel like they are the trendy breakout pick in the Western Conference. They made some huge additions. George Hill, Joe Johnson, Boris Diaw. Didn't really lose anyone of major importance. A couple bench guys in Trey Burke and Trevor Booker and Tibor Place. So, I mean, let's just jump right into it. Sarah, is the hype justified for this team? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I mean, I think we have to pump the brakes a little bit just because obviously they're enter- entering this season uh, with Hayward sidelined mm-hmm. and they have a pretty stiff schedule. But I still think that could end up being somewhat of a blessing in disguise as long as he comes back healthy because uh, they're going to figure it out without him for a little while and they still have a really nice roster around him so mm-hmm. I mean Joe Johnson and Joe Inglis can step in there uh, Trey Lyles looks yeah. really interesting mm-hmm. yes uh, yeah so <laughs> Gobert you guys know how I feel about Bobo and George Hill so yeah I definitely think the hype is justified. It, I don't want to – it's hard to confirm that, hey, they're definitely – because they, that, just that end of the season last year was so mm-hmm. disappointing. Yeah. Um, but they've added veteran guys like George Hill and Boris Diaw to kind of try to offset whatever happened there, with, you know, whether it was overachieving or being so close to the playoffs and they just kind of sputtered out. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I definitely think they're going to make the playoffs this year. I don't know how high. What, what okay. do you guys think about that? Yeah, I've I seen actually, I've seen people. I think you said four. You say four. four I five? have them fifth. Okay. Tentatively, the subject to change. I mean, I think I had them fourth until Hayward's injury, and then I right. pushed them down below Memphis. Because um, yeah, I mean, I I think you nailed it. They've got veterans now, and they've also like. They also get Dante Exum coming back, and they have mm-hmm. Alec Burks coming back. So they have yeah. quite possibly the deepest roster in the NBA <laughs> when it comes to like legitimately or legitimate rotation players, like NBA quality <laughs> rotation players. Um, so they can withstand injuries. I mean, they've already got this Hayward thing. He dislocated his finger, or dislocated and broke it, which sounds awful. Ouch. Um, yeah, and I think he's out for four to six weeks, so probably yeah. peg his return somewhere in the end of November. Um, you know, you, you figure he misses the first 12 to 15 games at worst. Uh, but they, as you said, they've got some guys who can step in. Uh, Joe Johnson, I think Rodney Hood could even play a little bit of the three. So, you know, that, that could... I don't know that they're excited to lose what is probably their best player but you know they've got the depth to withstand it and i think it speaks well of their offseason to have assembled that type of a roster um i think another one of the big questions and sarah i'm going to go right back to you here because you just brought up trey lyles 
So we've got Rudy Gobert. We've got Derek Favors. I think Derek Favors is either he's coming up for a contract soon. So is Trey Lyles going to make him expendable, or are Favors and Gobert the front court of the future for the Jazz? Gosh, like I really, really like Derek Favors, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean theoretically, Trey Lyles could make him expendable he certainly has the ability from what i've seen so far uh and not only that but he can help you space which you don't have the same kind of options uh with favors not the same kind kind of range i mean he can hit some jumpers but he's not going to pull you out quite as far as trey can um i i would personally like to see them hold on to both but of course it gets into you know he's he's due for some money, so you know if you feel like you can't you can't hang on to him, then yeah, it's great to have Trey there because you can afford to let him go. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's right on. Ideally, you know, I mentioned it with Oladipo and OKC, like you re-sign him just to trade him later. Like you do right. not want to lose Derek Favors for nothing, um, and Gordon Hayward's also. He's a free agent after this year. Same type of thing. I mean, I think they want Hayward around long-term, so that would not be Mm -hmm. a sign to trade. But, you know, I I don't think... I I think if you can, you try to extend favors now and get them on a longer-term deal under whatever the salary structure is now because it sounds like (laughs) there could be a new CBA very soon. So, you know, work under the terms that you know rather than whatever is to come because you have no idea what the new system is going to be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Trey Lyles looks really good. Like, he was the number 12 pick last year, so it takes big men. It often takes big men a little bit longer to adjust to the NBA than it does guards, but his transition has not been very rocky. He seems pretty well adjusted so far. Uh, so it would not totally shock me to see him supplant favors one day and until then again like he's more depth off the bench in case i mean favors got banged up a lot last year so Lyles can slide right in like they they are probably the the roster most able to handle major injuries because of the players behind their starters um morton i want to go to you for this one because i don't know why i feel like people are forgetting dante exum is a thing uh, do you think do you think he's going to be a key contributor for the Jazz off the bench this year? No, I I think he's going to have to like take the year to really um, get fully back. Like that, that it was an ACL tear; it was gone a whole year. Mm-hmm. His rookie season was was kind of shaky, mm-hmm. even though he actually displayed a, a better three point shot than I thought. So I, I'm kind of hoping he builds a little bit on that. But his rookie season was very underwhelming, mm-hmm. and with the fact that he's been out for so long, I think he's gonna take like fifty to sixty games to find like his space, if you want to call it that. And then afterwards, like going into next season, then I think the hype might be real. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he yeah he shot very poorly as a rookie, uh, and then missed mm. his whole sophomore season with the ACL tear. He's looked good in spurts during the preseason. I think he had 18 points the other night. Uh, so it seems like he's at least a little bit rounding back into form. Uh, he also had some... I think where he's going to make his biggest impact is defense. Because uh, they don't need him to score 20 a night. Like They've got yeah. 
They have Hayward, they have Hood, they have George Hill, they have Favors, they have Gobert, they have Trey Lyles, they have Joe Johnson. Like, they have plenty of other scorers. So if Exum, even if he doesn't put up huge box score numbers, as long as he's playing good defense, that's all they can and should ask for him this year. And then everything else he provides is a bonus. Um, Well, not playmaking. I expect him to playmake, though. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Because he he is, he, he was packed as, as a point guard, like a mm-hmm. Penny Hardaway size point guard. Mm-hmm. And even if, if it doesn't materialize to that, then I do still expect him to utilize the the, the, the sense of uh, understanding of the floor and schemes and whatnot. He's, a, he's an intelligent player. He can make reads. Yeah. So I want him to dig into that bag this year already. Like, he kind of has to. And, and I feel that he and Rodney Hood has to be on the same page in the month that Hayward is out. Mm-hmm. Because I think that could be like an interesting pairing. Interesting, yeah. I mean, I I'm admittedly <laughs> doing this somewhat as a homer pick because we just did this uh, franchise draft at today's fast break where we like all it was thirty people. We all picked uh, players who, if we were starting a franchise today, who would you build around? And Exum was my fifth round pick. I had Giannis, Miles Turner, Fournier. Robert Covington, and then Exum to round up my lineup. And I was like, how the hell did Dante Exum fall to, like, I think it was pick 131 in a who-do-you-start-your-franchise-with-today? Yeah, okay. Like, he's, I don't know. I feel like he's just going totally under the radar. Um, and I, you know, I think he was the number, what, number four, number five pick? Number five pick two years ago? Yep. Like, he has the draft pedigree that suggests he's going to be a very good player. I mean, obviously not all draft picks pan out. Um, so we can't just say he was the number five pick. He's going to be an all-star. But, I mean, he's a six-six point guard who's a good playmaker and a good defender. Like, I think maybe, you know, we've seen it before where an ACL tear uh, lets guys work on their shot while they are away because that's all they can do for a while. Um, so maybe he has refined his three-point shot a little bit and maybe the game has slowed down for him a little bit because he had to spend a year on the bench watching from there so just seems like i mean the dude's 21 he doesn't turn 22 till next july like i still think he's a big part of the jazz future uh you know george hill's obviously a good short-term option for them um but i think just the upgrade that they're going to make in terms of point guards this year is huge and that's fueling a lot of the optimism in general about the jazz this year. So let's actually swing right over to our division predictions. uh, Cause I feel like that's a good place to transition. And before we give our picks, Sarah, uh, can you break it down in terms of watchability in this division? Okay. Can we talk about Zach Lowe's league pass rankings for a second? Yes. Like I thought, I told you guys, like, this is sneakily, in my opinion, the most exciting division in a league right now. Mm-hmm. Of course, that depends on how you feel about young teams, but <laughs> <laughs> the, all I see is a heck of a lot of fun. Um, you, you guys know my big man bias, so, <laughs> so I mean, I, obviously I'm going to put the Jazz at the top, and then the Wolves and the Nuggets jockeying for two and three. Um but that goes to personal opinion. If you love guard play and exciting stuff on that end, you're obviously going to want to watch OKC and, and Portland. But 
just watch these teams a lot. That would be my yeah. suggestion. I'm yeah. excited about all of them. Yeah, this mm. is going to be a fun division. Uh, yeah. I mean, Angry Russ, Angry Dame, Tibbs, and Towns, Jokic, and then the Jazz. Like, you can't you can't go wrong here, folks. Uh, all right, so I'm going to give my standings, and then, Morton, you tell me why I'm wrong here. Because I actually struggled with this a lot. I, I think the Jazz are the clear number one. I think the mm. Nuggets are the clear number five. And then I think two, three, and four could go any way. But I have it OKC two, Portland three, and Minnesota four. Yeah, I'm. I agree with you that two, uh, two, three, and four can like interchange a little bit. I have it the other way around though. You have Minnesota two, Portland three. I, I, I have Minnesota two, but but with the caveat that Portland could actually snatch it real quickly. Okay. Like, if, if things go... Like, you mentioned that Minnesota could have, like, a poor start to the year. Mm-hmm. I think that's that could be very well be the case. And if that does present to be the case, then Portland swings up and takes two. Okay. And then Minnesota, and then Oklahoma City down at the fourth spot. Mm. Okay. So I'm... Yeah. <laughs> I might be irrationally high on Oklahoma City, is what this confirms. Well, no, not necessarily. The, the thing is... Two, three, and four—they're so equal. It's yeah. a, it's a crapshoot. It's really a crapshoot. Yeah. I mean, and and also there are so many unknowns here. Like, the, just just think about this: the whole Oklahoma City's entire roster organization, like their whole infrastructure changed when Durant left that team. Now Minnesota got tips in not just as a coach but as a team president, meaning the organizational organizational structure also changed for them. Mm-hmm. Portland transition year in a way they surprised the hell out of everyone so now we're all asking well where where do they go from here so it's it's entirely fair that those three are smack labeled with a big ass question mark right yeah that's that's fair i mean yeah no it sounds like neither one of us are super confident in our picks from two three and four so oh no no not whatsoever and that applies to the rest of the divisions as well for the most part right right true 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 all right, so the MVP of the division, I feel like it comes down to three guys. Uh, Russell Westbrook, Carl Anthony Towns, and Damian Lillard. Uh, Sarah, who do you have as your MVP here? I feel like I should pick Damian again just to reinforce that he's not underrated. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. You're oh, going with good. Damian. That's I what like I'm it. picking, yep. Good, good. All right, Warren, how about you? Oh, I can't, I can't not go with Westbrook on this yeah. one. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm right with you. I think I mean check out Moritz Kalob on today's fast break in a couple of days when it goes live. It sounds like it's going to be good, but I mean he's just going to be so angry. I have him in a fantasy basketball keeper league, and I've never been more excited to play fantasy this year than with Russ putting up thirty five, ten, and eight every <laughs> night. Um, <laughs> All right, so coach of the year in the division, I think, is actually pretty tough. I think there's, honestly, there's an argument to be made for any one of these five coaches. Mort, I'm going to assume you're going with Tibbs here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sarah, how about you? It is It is a tough call. I've gone back and forth. Um, I think I'm going to go with Stotts, though. Okay. I think he's, yeah. he's going to get the most out of that yeah. roster. I mean, Which is why I can't, you know, I can't say that they're not going to make the playoffs. I think they're probably going to sneak in somehow because he's going to make make it work as best he can. 
Yeah, I mean, he did last year. Like mm-hmm. he he earned some buzz as I forget where he finished in the coach of the year voting, but he was actually up there, I think. Mm. Uh, and deservingly so. Yeah, he was great. Right. Like we should always mention that coach of the year tends to go to a guy who's either just so far and away the best. If you have a 73-win season, it tends to go to you, even if you miss half the year. Um, Or it's a guy who your team was projected to be garbage, which was Portland last year. They were supposed to be at the bottom of the league, and then you win 45 games. So, with that in mind, I feel like Denver, if they surprise this year, Mike Malone could get some buzz. Billy Donovan in OKC, you know, if they survive this Durant apocalypse and somehow bounce back in 45 wins and Oladipo blend seamlessly. They've got a shot. But I'm going to go with Quinn Snyder. I mean, everyone expects them to be good, so he's got... He has to live up to high expectations. Um, But I think they're going to. I think the Jazz are going to be a 50-win team. uh, And I think he would slightly edge out tips, in my mind. Um, So let's go with our crush... Bite your tongue. Sorry? Bite your tongue. Bite your tongue. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I, I, I'm high on the long-term future of the Timberwolves and Tips. I just think they're a... No, I, I love Quinn Snyder. I get it. Yeah. I totally get it. It's just... I, I, I just have... Like, you mentioned, like, the whole uh, trip that the Tips took around the States and different teams and whatnot. I think he's coming back with a vengeance. Yeah. And, like, you, you saw how Tips coached when he was pissed off. <laughs> right. Like, he's he's got more power. Like, he took a year off to grow smarter. Yeah. I have a feeling that Tips forgot more about basketball in the last 24 hours than I have ever known in my entire <laughs> life. I agree. So, I mean... I, I I don't even have I don't have the nuts is what I'm saying mm. to to suggest that Tips is not going to own everything this year. I just I don't have the guts to it. He's going to kick my ass. Yeah, and I think I'm going to check real quick. I think when he took over the Bulls, they were like what 24, 25 wins. No, sorry, 41 wins. Uh, the the season before. Yeah, that was after Vinny Del Negro. Yeah, and yeah. then they jumped to 62 the next year. So a 21 yeah, win did. jump. Basically the same roster, right? No, they they actually they they build up a little bit. That was Derek's um, MVP year. They oh, got yeah. Boozer okay. and whatnot. But but oh, here's yeah, the thing: yeah, they yeah. won 62 while having one guy who could create offense. Mm. One guy. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And this is utterly ridiculous. He did not have a Carl Anthony Towns on that roster. So yeah, I mean, I I'm probably going to look stupid for doubting Tibbs, but I just think that's a very young roster, uh, and they're gonna. Endure some hiccups that young rosters tend to do. So let's switch to our crushes in the division. Sarah, I'm going to start with you, and you are banned from picking Boris Dio. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I have a crush. George Hill. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the natural way to go there. Um, I have a crush on this whole division, just team-wise. Um but I'm going to pick Trey Lyles, who we talked about earlier. Nice. Because I just, I was watching highlights earlier today. <laughs> it's like, gee, like he has the Euro step in his game at yeah. 6'10. Yeah. Who, who else can we say that about? Like Durant? Mm. That sounds right. About it. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's just got a nice all around game. He can handle, he can shoot the three. He's, he's long. So, Trey Lyles all the way. I like it. Martin, how about you? Malik Beasley. Ooh, that's a fun one. Okay. Yeah. 
I, I, I mean, I know he's going to get buried on the bench, but I think in those moments that we're that we do get from him, he's going to put up some numbers. He's going to put up a show. I think he has this fluid knack of just getting that ball through the basket, and I love seeing those guys develop and, and get minutes. Like you always, there's always that point in the season where a guy comes in, plays like. 12, 13 minutes, and he scores like 16, 18 points, mm-hmm. like for one outing. I think he's like the type of guy who could do it a couple of times, create create a little bit of buzz, maybe like make people talk a little bit, say, oh, he should get more minutes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm digging his playing style. Yeah. I, I think he could be a, a pretty large piece, um, not for Denver, but for Sacramento, because I have a hot take. I think Bookie's going to land there. In Denver. Oh, yeah, that would be with fun with Mike Malone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he needs to like he needs to go back with Mike Malone. That was yeah. the one time he really got along with the coach. If the thing with Dave Yeager doesn't work out, I mean Denver has the pieces. That's like exactly. That's a good point. They do have a lot of shooting guards. Yeah, they have a lot of big men. They have draft picks. They oozes of draft picks. They have Malik Beasley. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I so I have a feeling that if things don't work out well with Jaeger, which let me just say right off the bat, I do think he's like the mo- the best candidate to make it work with Boogie. Right. But if somehow it doesn't, I think Boogie will end up in Denver as opposed to Boston. That's a, I, I don't even think that's a hot take. I think that is a completely reasonable take. And I actually, for Boogie's sake, I hope it happens because naturally because they're the Kings, there's already some like, front office infighting with Vivek giving an interview and then Jeff Petrie coming out and saying Vivek is an idiot. So I was <laughs> laughing when I read that. Yeah. It was just so Vivek. Man. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh good. The season the season's here. The Kings are being the Kings again. Yeah. Um I mean we already talked about my crush, Dante Exum. I you know, I just think he's gonna be a big piece of the Jazz future. So I'm actually gonna go with a different guy. I thought this guy was a little too mainstream to be a crush, but Steven Adams, I think he's going to be he's going to prove himself worthy of a max extension uh pretty quickly if he hasn't already. And I way too mainstream. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> yeah, that's my definitely way too mainstream. That my my crush will be excellent, but I wanted to shoot a uh, shout out Adams uh, cuz I think he's the second best player on OKC right now. Um and I think he's a huge piece of their future as well. So, with that said, that's going to wrap up all of our division previews at the NBA podcast. We're going to get one more podcast out before the season starts with uh, a few preseason observations along with our season predictions, uh, both playoff teams and all the major award races. Until then, give us a follow at the NBA pod on Twitter. Check us out on iTunes and at today's Fast Break. Give us all three a follow on Twitter as well. Uh, Saren Morton, it's always good talking to you guys. Likewise, Bri. All right, take care. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. 
Are you an experienced driver looking for a career that pays well and offers vacation days from the start? If so, then drive for Penske. Talk to a Penske representative today and apply now. Call 855-CDL-PENSKE. Start driving with Penske today. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.